Hello. Hey, Merlin. How are you? I'm great, Dan. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty, Pretty good. good. It's just another Tuesday in August, and the internet's down and up and down. <laughs> Do you, does your daughter have a lot to read? Is she reading uh, required to read a lot? Uh, it's a slightly tricky question. She loves to read. She does not have much assigned reading, and this year, even as homework goes way up, uh, they're not making them do a reading log, which is great news. So no, the biggest pain in our house is math. Yeah, math, math. is math. Math is something both my kids reject. But this year, my son, who's in fifth grade, like your daughter, uh, has in the past he's always been like encouraged to read, or you know, please, please read, mm-hmm. and he's he's. Very, very, very verbal. He started speaking very early at like six months and sentences. That's amazing. Yes. My, my daughter started talking almost a month ago. <laughs> She's a little late. But he, he – and he reads exceptionally well. Uh, and because he does, he is incredibly he, – he rejects the – and as do I, the notion of forced reading. It takes takes all the fun out of it. He has to read like – 10 books a semester now and they have to be 200 or 300 pages each or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Which, I mean, if he was left to his own devices and we took the the switch away, he'd probably not balk at that at all. But now that it's required, he doesn't want to do it. Zelda doesn't count as reading. No. Uh, But so they have, but I'm just shocked because they have, there's so much like the, the, they want them to read so much. And I think if, if, he wasn't such a great reader. Maybe he would be more open to it because I could say to him, well, you kind of need practice. You kind of need to like bone up on your reading skills. But he's really, really good. And so it's, I can't say that to him. I can't say like, well, you'll get better if you read more. He reads as well as I do almost. Yeah. Um, so, so just to be clear here. So fifth grade, thing that's different, they are assigning – Books to like specific they don't assign books any books. No, he's just required to read. It's like right. a book a week now, and these are like two to three hundred page books. There, he's supposed to be reading like almost almost a book how's a week. That, how's that being tracked? Uh, they have to, you know, like log it. I guess this is what your daughter was doing a long time ago. I guess he's he's finally coming into the time when they want him to do this. Yeah, I don't know. I have very mixed feelings about a lot of different things. You know, Dan, <laughs> as, as, as part of Merlin 3.2 maintenance release, I'm trying to assume goodwill and good intention and trying to imagine, as I try to do, usually failing, I try to assume that everybody else is smarter than me and that everybody has their reasons why they do this. But there are points when it feels like this kind of stuff breaks down a little bit on a person-by-person basis. And I feel like maybe just because I'm loaded for bear, I keep running up against more and more things that would benefit from being tweaked a little bit per kid. Because my kid's a, a special precious angel. Yes. But do you know what I mean? It's, I mean, if they I, said that he had to do uh, 30 minutes or an hour a night of, of just math, I'd say, yeah, he, he needs that because yeah. we could all be better at math. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, there, you know, I feel like, you know, I don't know. I just, it's, it's a lot. Well, okay. I mean, I, I, if, if our listeners wouldn't mind, I wouldn't mind talking about this a little bit. Um, 
And if they do mind, you can email Dan. Um, <laughs> Please do. I, um, for, for me, uh, there's some things that are her teacher who's, who's really cool. Some things that he's doing that are very unusual from what we've done in the past. We've talked before about things like there was one year where they experimented with uh, virtually no homework like as a class. But, you know, she's in fifth grade. And the conventional wisdom, at least here, is that in fifth grade, you need to prepare your kid for the onslaught of homework that's coming in uh, middle school. Yeah. And on top of it all, there's all the, like, stuff that pushes them into, like, standardized testing and being good for the testing. My beef, as as stated before, my beef with the reading log, and I, I don't mean this to sound like I'm bragging, except I am proud of my kid. I'm glad she likes to read. It is her hobby. I mean, next to Zelda. But the problem with the reading log for me was it took something that was not just joyful but natural to her. Like, you know, if she's allowed to play on a screen, she'll play on a screen. If she can't play on a screen, she generally reads or does crafts. Like, that's what she does. And, you know, reading for – it's never been anything where we've had to even really encourage her to read. That's just what she'll do. She's having a snack. She picks up a comic. She picks up the Zelda tome. She picks up, you know, whatever it is. She reads, rereads some book. She reads Smile. She reads something that she's read, you know, half a dozen times. So anyway, to, to shorten this up a little bit, my beef with that was in this case, it was frustrating to me that the reading log process, which is very um, prescriptive uh, and a little bit arbitrary, in this case took something that was already natural and fun and turned it into something that was more about time management. And so you take this pivot of something that the kid's already really into. And I understand the value of that. I understand the value of tracking. You know, I, if I had my druthers, I wish she'd be better about being consistent about that stuff. But that mm-hmm. was my beef with that. Was like, like your kid, I guess. She's already somebody who reads pretty well. She reads, at, I mean, she reads at a very high level. And then that turns into something where, like, have you done your reading log yet? Did you read 40 minutes today? Did you write down when you started? Did you write down when you finished? Did you write down how many pages? And did you write two sentences about what you read? Which I get. Like, I get that. But, like, it it hurts my heart that something that did, in in this case, God, a little girl, especially, (laughs) who's found something they're really good at, and, like, you turn it into something that makes it, like, drudgery. Yeah, because it takes takes all the fun out of it. It's required, and the minute Definitely you say takes some of the, it takes some of the fun out. But the other thing that I, I would love to circle back to, and this is like a big obsession for me right now, is just the amount of um, so certain kinds of structure and certain kinds of standards lead to this completely unnecessary stress. If you have a kid who does care about their schoolwork and how they look and whether they're regarded as smart, mm-hmm. you take an above average kid and turn him into a nut. <laughs> like there's this constant fear of like, am I doing it right? Are people going to think I'm doing, you know, and now you turn them into a little reward machine where they're like, they're supposed to like get the approval of everybody. And I, I understand why that's necessary, but sometimes it feels like it's working at cross purposes with what we're really trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, but because and she's very good, she actually, oddly enough, I mean, she actually technically statistically scores higher. She's in the highest, you know, area for all of these but like she technically scores better at math than reading which was mind-boggling to me but she thinks she's terrible at math because math is homework right and And it's hard and reading reading probably feels easy for her i want to tell you something john roderick told me yesterday on our program that on the one hand i find answer if it is true it answers a lot of uh questions i've had and i want to learn more about whether it is true so, 
this is on yesterday's Roderick on the line. You know what John told me? He, he told me he'd gone in to talk to his school's principal mm-hmm. about standardized testing. And like that his daughter, who's pretty bright, like feels like a failure. Like when she takes these tests, she feels like an idiot. Right. And I don't know if your kids feel that way, but my daughter hates the tests, They're especially the, worst. the standardized the tests. The worst. So this sounds like a conspiracy theory, and maybe there's a good reason why this is. But he told me something yesterday where all the cylinders started clicking, and suddenly everything makes sense, especially the fact that we just got her math scores for last year on standardized testing. And every single one of us, down to the cat, our minds were boggled that she was like better at math than English because she comes home in tears after these tests mm. because she didn't know so many of the answers. You know what John Roderick told me? And you tell me if you've heard this. Do you kids, when they do standardized, te- standardized testing, do they do it on a computer? I don't think so. I think it's Scantron. Well, the test that his kid takes and the test that my kid takes. Now I'm not sure. Well, I'll add to this one little bit of information where, you know, like your kid tells you things and you don't understand what they're talking about. Yeah. Like you have to, like, was that, wait, was this a thing you heard? Is this real? Is this something you made up after school? Like, but she said, yeah, these, the tests are really hard and every kid gets a different test and the questions are different on every test. She told me that last year. And I, and I, I, at the time I thought with my mindset being 51, I thought, oh, it's probably a thing to defeat cheating. Right. So you can't like look at the other kids. Yeah. According to uh, Professor Roderick on these standardized tests, you start the test, you do, you do you know, well or poorly with a few questions. If you're doing well with the test, did you know they give you increasingly difficult questions? I was going to say, it must not get harder. That really does? According, this is, I would like, if, if listeners know this and want to write us about that, uh, you can go to the website and send us an email. If you have actual information, if you have a gander like I do or a reckon, it's okay. You can keep it. But like, if you're somebody who's an educator and knows this, is it accurate to say that when you take some kinds of tests on a computer, standardized tests, that they give you harder questions? Because the way that John framed it, and this is the part that really twisted my melon, was that you will keep getting more difficult questions until you get questions that you cannot answer. I, I, if, if that is true, I absolutely hate it. I, as a parent of a kid that I hate being sad, I definitely hate it. As, as a citizen in the United States, I want to think about it more. But what that means to me is you feel like you're killing it. You get through the first few questions, you're doing fine. They get harder. Maybe you rise to the level and like you're at the, <laughs> you're practically out of breath as a young academic. And you will, if, if what he says is anywhere near true, you keep getting questions that will be difficult until you run into a series of questions that you literally will not be able to answer. So you find out five months later, oh my gosh, check it out. You're near the top of the top, you know, quintrill. That's amazing. But when she came home from every day of that testing, she was exhausted and felt like a failure because yeah. she knew that by the time the test was done, the stress is building. There's only so much time left. By the end of that test, she's like, I'm an idiot. I, I'm guessing at all of these. I don't know the answer to these. I don't even know how to solve some of these. This is stuff we were never taught. Anyway. What do you what do you think about that? I, I think that's absolutely first of all. Do you, does that make does that sound like anything that could be true? Anything could be true, but I think that is that is because I think. But no, I mean because okay, hang on. These standardized tests are supposed to reflect what the entire grade is learning, right? And they're not I think supposed, it's supposed to, be, to show how many of the students are up to the standard 
below or above. Right. I I mean I I could see it being like that, but I something about that strikes me as evil. Well, yeah, evil for sure, <laughs> but it it also strikes me as just something that it shouldn't be that way because that's not really then you're not really measuring the whole thing that you're supposed to be measuring. Which is have, which is, is you know everyone is has to be tested according to the same exact. So if 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 you're trying to evaluate a group of people, yeah, there's, you there's can't give them all different yeah. questions. You have to give them all the same questions. Well, I have exactly one super clear message that I would want. If there were a super clear mes- message that had been imparted on everyone in the class, it would be about basically a test taking skill, which everybody has to learn eventually. I don't think they naturally teach that. I mean, I remember when I first was getting ready for the ACT, I didn't take the SAT, I took the ACT. I remember it was the first time in my life that I had heard, if you don't know the answer to a question, skip it and go to another one right. and come back. Right, that seems Because I've been taught wrong. to take the test in order, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, and, but, so, here's the thing. If they say to the people taking the test, here's what you need to know about this test. This is going to test your ability on how well you have absorbed and can apply the things that you've learned this quarter or whatever. But here's what you need to know. Um... There may be things on there that are utterly unfamiliar. If you don't understand, I, again, this is just, I'm just off the top of my head. But like, if you were to say to them, if, if you run into something that seems like something you just don't know or you have never been taught, if it feels utterly foreign, don't spend 20 minutes on it. Skip it. Go to another one. Because here's what's going to happen. is if, As you take this test, the questions will get harder. Right. I would, I, I would be more comfortable if they said to them, like, up front, as you take this test, the questions will get harder. As you, and ironically enough, if you, as you succeed, the questions will get more difficult and you eventually will see stuff that you've probably never seen before. If they knew that going in and like it would rehearse that on test, Mm -hmm. tests, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's different, but they were never told that. I don't know. I'm sorry. This is a bee in my bonnet. I found this out yesterday and I've been stewing about it for the last 24 hours. And like, I, I do want to find out more about what it actually means, but my immediate emotional reaction is this is a pretty great example of like how you discourage a kid. i found an article here that talks about, uh, I've never heard of this website before. It's called Ed Surge, assuming Ed like education. And they are talking about common core and things like that. And one of the terms that they throw around is, is called computer adaptive testing. Okay. And I'm thinking after reading this uh, that maybe this is uh, what what you're talking about or what John was talking about. And it says – I mean, this is a long article. I'll tell you what. I'll put it in the show notes and the listeners can read it if this is something that they're interested well, there's in. Well, there's a Wikipedia article on it that kind of explains it. I just – I think it's as you it's start off here, with it's, some it's initial a, ideas. It's a form of computer-based test that adapts to the examinee's – Ability level. For this reason, it has also been called tailored testing. In other words, it is a form of computer-administered test in which the next item or set of items selected to be administered depends on the correctness of the test taker's responses to the most recent right. items administered, which sounds sane. It says, you start off, here's the guy being interviewed about it. You start off with some initial ideas about what the student's abilities are. You feed them some questions and you say, ah, okay, the computer said this, this student is probably up the scale a bit in terms of their ability. So now you feed him new questions that are more targeted at their ability. This allows you to refine the score of that person further, the scale of scores mm-hmm. it's called. Then you give him a new batch of questions that he's likely to have a 50% chance of getting it right. If you keep doing that, you can get the same precision by giving a kid 15 items on a computer adaptive test 
test that might have taken 40 items on a regular conventional test. Once you know you've got more efficient, the person score to the desired level of precision, then the test stops and everybody goes home. Hmm. And that's interesting. Well, that sounds, that's, I guess you can't cheat because all the questions are going to be different. Right. I hate it. Anyway, I hate it. I don't think, I don't uh, think those kinds of tests are a measure. I'll I'll give you an example of why I think all of these tests, and, and I don't have a solution because we have to test somehow, but I took both the SAT and the ACT. And this was back in uh, seventeen, the year 1712, I think. When, okay, when, I remember that. Yeah. That's when the S's were still like funny F's. <laughs> That's right. And they used, instead of a, uh, a U, they would just write a V when they were carving it into <laughs> it the, the stone. It was easier to chisel into the And so back in those days, though, the SAT was very much the standard one. And, and probably mm-hmm. for you, I think you, you must have seen the same thing. The ACT was like the new one. You know what I heard? I heard the ACT was easier. So I heard the know. ACT was easier too. And <laughs> and so I took the SAT and I had a friend, I think, wasn't the top score at the time a 1440 uh, something or 1400 like or something? My friend, something like that, my yeah. friend showed up, uh, this was in our senior year, I guess. He showed up to the test, hung over and didn't, hadn't slept and he got like a 1300 or something ridiculous like that. And I got a thousand and I bid almost perfect on the English and horrific on the math. And I thought, oh, great, I'm not, I'm not going to get in anywhere like this. And, of course, the results, I had already checked the boxes to send. You're going to become a bomb diffuser and, or something. Um, <laughs> and I had, yeah. And I had sent them out to all the universities I wanted to go to. And I got letters back from all of them saying, uh, no, you can't get in because your grades aren't very good. And now your SAT is kind of crap. And so we, one place was like, we'll accept you as a transient student during the summer. And if you can prove yourself then. And so then just a few weeks later, uh, I, I took the ACT. And I did exceptionally well in the ACT. I got a perfect score in English. I got in the in the writing part. You could get a thirty-two. I got a thirty-one. I was like, "Wow, great!" And the math I did okay on. I didn't prepare better, better than the SAT. Way better, dramatically mm-hmm. better. I think if the if the top score was like a thirty-one or a thirty-two, I got like a twenty-nine or a thirty. So I was very very good on that. I'm the same kid two weeks later that I was when I took the SAT. It was just a different test. And I did better on it. And now all the universities are like, congratulations, you've been accepted. Welcome. Come come along. We'd love to have you as a student here. I was the same student three weeks later that I was when I took the SAT. And so, you know, all there are so many people that don't test well who are incredibly bright and incredibly creative. And a college would be lucky to have them there. And... Mm-hmm. You know, if you're one of these kids that, that tests really well, you have nothing to worry about. But if you're like I was, you just need to find the right damn test to score well on it because otherwise they're going to not let you in the college you want to go to. Right. Yeah. And so like in what you're describing, there's a lot more to it than here's a test. Take it. Yeah. There's this this approach of like what, 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 what test can I do well at? But maybe more importantly, and I, I feel like I didn't really, really get this until after college when I, I, I knew I was probably not going to get into any grad schools because I had not had a language. Um, and I'd never taken Shakespeare. So I wasn't going to get into any English. I was talking to a guy, Johns Hopkins, who I'd written my thesis about. And he was like, yeah, you can come here, but like you got to have a language and blah, blah, blah. And um, so taking the GRE. And like the thing is, when you're learning the GRE, it, it's chock-a-block with test techniques. Yeah. 
where they tell you all kinds of like little tricks for understanding, not, not just like always choose C or whatever, if you don't know. I mean, like actual, actual smart things. Like I say, maybe the best one to know is if you don't know a question, you know, mark it and then move on to the next one <clears throat> in your book. But like, I don't know. I'm not against that. I'm not against teaching people how to test well. But like, I, I feel like I push up against this idea that like these tests become such a distraction from everything else you could be doing in a classroom. And then ultimately, it's a it's an indication of how well you take tests, right? Yeah. And so, like for years, they've said, well, the, the you know people, college admissions people have said, I think for decades now, we don't love the SAT either. It's just there is historically one correlative data point above all others. It's not grade point average. It's not whether you were in marching band. It's not did you go to like Model UN. It's your SAT score. Like we can we can track success in matriculating and graduating. Importantly, people who graduate from college do well on the SAT. So lacking any better way to analyze that, we'll continue to use that. that I mean, I think that's what they said. I mean, the, the thing is, is, it's not that they're all like, you know, in love with the SAT as a thing. It's, it's just that that is where the correlation is. Yeah. With that said, her teacher is fifth grade. He's done some pretty cool stuff that I that I think is is super interesting. He did several things that I liked immediately. Can I tell you the first thing that he did that made me almost weep? <laughs> yeah, I'm going I'm to be talking about this tonight with Syracuse. My daughter has been in school since she was three. She was in preschool for three years. She's now in her her sixth year of um, elementary school. So you know, let's, let's let's call it let's call it seven eight years. The first time in her entire young academic career, I got an email from her teacher. And at first, I couldn't even tell it was from a teacher. You know why? Why? There's no, C- there's no CC line. Oh, my gosh. I was like, oh, my God. He did it. This magnificent bastard finally did it. He's the first person I've ever seen in education who knows how to use the BCC line. <laughs> Do you know how many people know my email address just because... You know, yeah, like know. boner, boner dad, 69 at yahoo.com. Every, everybody's on the CC line because nobody knows how to be CC. So I, I admit maybe that's the SAT of evaluating teachers. But yeah. first I was like, I like this guy. I like this guy. Yeah. And the thing he did is he sent, he sent a few, like really a couple really good emails laying out what, and I, you know, I love this, which is like, this is how we're going to do this. And this is how I will be evaluating things, which I love. I think it's so important to be clear about that. So they're doing stuff like one thing he does that's super cool is he says, you know, first of all, he gave them each kid in the class got this really cool, like ring bound book that is on the face of it, a calendar. It's a, it's a weekly calendar and it's got space for writing down when stuff is due. It's got space for writing down any vocabulary words for that week. It's got a place if you're doing a reading log, it's got a place for that. But every kid got one of these, which I think is such a cool idea because, you know, I love stuff like that. Yeah. I, First time I got a job out of college, the first thing I did was buy a day runner. Like I love stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, those are great. And so and so he's he's like, well, it's really important that this goes home. It comes to school with the kid. It goes home with the kid. The parents should be looking at this with the kid. Anything that's due is going to be in there. He says, any assignment I give, unless we say otherwise, is due a week away from the day that it's given. That's cool. It gives you some independence and some time management. And a little like kind of grace note that's not being leaned on too much is he says it's most important to me that this gets done 
So if they don't, if it's due on Tuesday and they didn't finish it on Tuesday, they could turn it in the next week. I just want to see it when it's done. And I was like, yeah, wow, this is very liberal arts. I really, I really like this. But then he also said stuff like this year, your kid needs to become a lot more independent. So like, don't help your kid with homework, Mm -hmm. which is really hard. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm sitting there with proofreading marks and like, you know, double lines under this for capitalization slash through this for not capitalization. (laughs) Spelling, comma, comma splices, all that stuff. But I like this guy's approach. And I I like that he has a, like I say, a rubric for this, but he's, he's not a Martinet about it. I'm using lots of GRE words now. Yeah. He's not lacrimose about it. It does not generate, it does not generate tears. (laughs) You know, I think, I think the idea of the teacher stepping in and making it cool, if you will, for the parents as well as the students, that's a big deal. Being Mm -hmm. able to know that your teacher like gets it is so important. And knowing that they're a human being who isn't just sticking to the specific rules or the way everyone else does it, that must make you pretty happy. Yeah. Yeah. Even as I'm dreading like what comes next, I feel like this is my last year of having an actual child, but, um, I don't know, but it's, you know, it's, you know, this is the, I freely admit that this is the result probably of having an only child when you're a middle-aged person, but like, especially forgive my saying, but especially with having a, a girl child, like I will take any, any little bit of self-esteem about academics that I can, because I know people are going to try to wring that out of her for the rest of her life. So I'm, I push back real hard on anything not that it encourages her to work hard, not, not that it encourages her to do something differently, but, but on stuff where you take something that's already a little bit of an affinity and instead of turning it into, you know, a joy and a vocation or, uh, you know, like a, a super hobby, you turn it into something that's just drudgery. Kids got enough to worry about. They already have no freaking time. They got no time to do anything. If you, if you do like even just school and like after a program, like there's no time for violin. There's, I mean, <laughs> I don't know how people do soccer. I don't know how they do it. Like we're doing homework for two hours a night. It's like, it's, it's bananas. Oh, and the other thing he said is you're only, you're only supposed to work on this for up to an hour a night. I think he wants kids to like figure this out on their own terms. But one another one of his rules is like, when you start working on your homework, work for an hour. If you work for more than an hour, like you can stop. I thought that was really, really interesting. What do you think the con, I feel like there's two reasons why homework is assigned. One is there's so much for them to learn that they couldn't possibly learn it in the limited amount of time that they spend in the actual classroom. So there's more learning that has to happen, and that has to happen outside the classroom. That, to me, is how I felt about uh, homework in college, where you'd go in, you'd listen to the lecture, you're getting the uh, professor's take on things, and then it's up to you to then go and fill in that background information to do the research, to do the studying, to do the preparation. But... For these kids like ours in fifth grade, I just think that that can't be the right answer. You should be able to teach. And then, of course, you want to go home and, and you want to practice. But do they need to practice an hour a night, two hours a night? That seems excessive. Mm-hmm. Then the other argument that I've heard for why so much homework is assigned is that they're doing it to prepare them for the amount of homework that will be assigned later. <laughs> That's so ironic. Which doesn't make sense to me either. I just don't, I just don't know. I think there's probably lots of reasons. Um, I could think of two or three. I mean, for example, in your example about college, that's a really good example. Like if you're taking a class on Hegel, it doesn't make sense for everybody in the class to spend the entire time silently reading Hegel. It makes sense for them to do that when they're not in class. And then when you are in class, 
You talk about what you've read. You talk about what you will read. You know, integrate right. synthesizing. You, you an- analyze yeah. what it was you read and and ask questions. You know that that seems to make sense to me. I think another another. Well, I'm kind of going to move up the, the the tree of craziness here. Um, the next level up, which I think is also entirely sensible, is to. So not to just do more of what you did in class, but to maybe do something slightly different with what you did in class. I'm thinking especially with arithmetic. Something like you did in class, but it's going to help to um, – oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's going to help you rehearse what it is you're doing and to um, solidify what you did when you were at school. I think that makes sense. Yeah. Um, then I think there's there's extrinsic reasons, I suspect. I think one is that there is certainly a percentage of parents who are going to have that phone ringing off the hook if their kid's not getting a lot of homework. Yeah. Because they're going to think, you're treating my kid like an idiot. They're never going to get into Stanford unless they're doing like ridiculous amounts of homework. Like, I like that. I like my kid overworked. Like And that shows me that you're trying hard if you're really pushing the kids. I think that might be one. Um you know, it's I, – I have to imagine that that is, that is part of it. And the other part of it, I mean, that, that again, this is – I'm not saying this is crazy. I'm saying this, this is good but can go wrong in my experience is like you're trying to establish patterns, habits, uh, good habits, right? Like you're trying to establish things like, you know, time management. Um, so, I mean, like, you know, there, there, I've said this since the 43 folders days. It's like a lot of the skills that you need in the workplace today, um, you may pick up glancingly in school, but it's not like they need to teach you Ruby, but like to learn things like time management and to learn things like dealing with procrastination or, you know, again, the, the seven dwarfs of bad emotions, teaching kids how to deal with those things in the context of a high-pressure situation, all of those are good. It's just that there are definitely times where it feels very arbitrary. It feels like you do homework because homework is what you do. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to explain that to uh, any of these reasons. It's hard, <clears throat> excuse me, it's hard to explain it to your kid who just wants to play Zelda, right? I mean, oh, yeah. you know, the that, that I and I can't, I find it very difficult to... Uh, fib to my kids like i can't say well you're gonna need this stuff later because if you think it's bs it's very difficult yeah. to say it to your kid with a straight face right like you really need to do it. it'll it make you a better student no it really well, was, won't uh, we were doing this last night where she had to write an essay last night like a, a five paragraph essay um last night and it turned out real good but she wrote it in google docs and uh, she was doing it on her chromebook and I was like, well, uh, now we need to be able to print that out. And she's like, oh, we can't print it out. There's no way they won't let us print. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me introduce to you the idea of the workaround. I want you to learn about workarounds. Workarounds, and of course, now instantly she's glassed over. and like, why are you talking to me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, I swear I used to do stuff with computers. I swear. I was like, but a workaround is a way that does not solve a problem for all time, but like it enables you to do the thing that you want to do. And, you know, I was like, well, so I just said, okay, let me see if I can share this with my email address. She's like, you can't, you can't share with the email address. And I was like, okay, all right, well, I'll try that. Is there a way you can download it to the desktop? No, they won't let you do that. And so finally, I just went over to the MacBook Adorable and we logged in as her. We were able to get to it and print it out. Now, that is arguably the most obvious solution in the entire world. But like, if you don't teach your kid that there is a way besides the one way that you were taught, that's the ultimate in resilience. Like, I want you to be tricky. I want you to try to do weird stuff. Right. Like, we were setting up, she has to do a blog. The whole class is doing blog entries. 
And I was like, believe it or not, I used to have a blog. She's like, shut up. Um, <laughs> and But like we were able to go in and she was able to find her avatar is a character from the Adventure Zone and named after a character from the Adventure Zone. And we're able to go, I showed her how to go to Google Images and download it to the desktop and then upload that as your avatar. And it's so much more fun than a picture of a pencil. <laughs> like that's a thing where like it takes a little bit of initiative and mischief. Yes, yes. Initiative plus mischief is not terrible. You know, if we if we keep teaching these kids that like you just you got to show up and put your little butt in the seat and then follow the rules. I'm sorry, I'm on a rant now and this is really annoying. But, you know, I don't know. I like it when she's tricky. I wish she was more tricky. Is your kid tricky? Does he try to get away with stuff? No. Mm. My daughter does. My son does not. My daughter is always trying to get away with anything she can. My son I, I don't is. Wanna, I don't want. I don't want an ammo on my hands. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what? A, I'm assuming you you watched the ending. Oh, sure did. Oh my All god. The way through. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. For for anyone who uh, we're not spoiling anything, but uh, sharper objects came to its conclusion on Sunday evening and um if if it's you're a hell of a run. if you decide to watch this show which i i think it it's worth your time make sure that when you watch the finale that you watch it all the way through beyond the end of the credits because there's a lot that happens yeah. a- afterwards yes great show wow it's a weird show i mean i bet good good really good performances yeah i love vickery I love uh, is that his name? I love I love the sheriff. I love the lady from Big. She was great. Um, oh my god, that's right. She was. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about now, that. Now she's a boozy veranda drinker. Yeah, I love. I like her better now. <laughs> way better now. She'd be uh, great so to good. sit on the back patio with her and listen to her stories on a yeah, Sunday. She's not evening. a lot in the house. She has to stay on the veranda. <laughs> right. Uh, in Wind Gap, recyclables go out on Wednesday. Dan. Yes. Enough of this wallowing in hypocrisy. Tell me about something that you like. I would like to tell you about kite. Kite. If it helps you to say it like kite. Kite. K-I-I-T-E. That's how that thing is spelled. And uh, and let me tell you a little bit about kite and what they're all about. This is this is where I want you. I want you to put yourself in this mindset. Knowledge, mm-hmm. which is what we're talking about. Knowledge. 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 This is. It's hard to manage knowledge. Within organizations, lots of employees, you got lots of employees walking around, bumping into each other. They've, Huge problem. They've Huge all problem. got knowledge in their heads and, and they want that to be shared. They want that to not just be in the one person's brain, but available to everybody within the organization, people in sales, people doing support, people doing IT. So the question then is how do you take that individual knowledge and translate it into for lack of a better word, company knowledge, corporate knowledge, and and build that brain that is shared among all of the people working in the company. You want to do that because it makes it easier for employees to then get that information and provide that kind of expertise uh, to their existing workflows, like, for example, Slack. So, I mean, this is super important, especially for smaller companies or rapidly growing companies, companies that have a lot of complicated offering stuff there where you really need subject matter experts and how do you get to them and where is that information that's stored? Kite steps in and they capture both what they call structured and unstructured knowledge. So for example, you could ask Kite, do we have any customers in financial services? Then Kite's smart enough to say, yeah, here's a list of customers that are in financial services, which is going to be sourced from their CRM software. You could say to Kite, um, what is our pricing for 5,000 users? 
And Kite's mm-hmm. going to come back and say, here's per user pricing for 5,000 users. Here's a link to the price book. These are the kinds of things. If people are doing support, if people are doing sales, you need to have this kind of information immediately. It can make all the difference in the world for doing a good job at your job, whether that is support or sales or, uh, or even software development. How many times have I been in a software development role where I had to wait until a meeting on Thursday to ask three simple questions to somebody because I'd emailed them and they couldn't do it and I have to wait you know, for the, to sit in on their department meeting to get a question answered. I can't tell you how many times things like that have happened. And, uh, and so this is where Kite comes in. And what they've done is they've created super intelligence. This is my term. They can have it. They can run hmm. with that. But what it works is it's, it's easy to use. You can use it on mobile. It's chat agnostic. So it's going to work in Slack. It's going to work in Skype for business. It plugs into your data sources to deliver answers, not documents, but actual answers to the questions you ask it in chat. So it's essentially, I mean, I don't want to call it a chat bot, okay? But it, it is an intelligence that you can use as a resource. It works in Slack. It works in Skype. It works in these different chat systems. And it, it's a much, much faster, better, and more intuitive way to get the kind of information uh, that you need. So they have a special URL set up. It's kite, K-I-I-T-E dot A-I, because we're talking about A-I. Hmm. It's kite.ai slash back to work. That's where you go to learn more. This is helpful for any size company. Uh, and it's a really, really nice service. And it just sits there in Slack and it's, it, it's ready to go. It's very cool. Kite, K-I-I-T-E dot A-I slash back to work. Go check it out. And we appreciate their ongoing support. Thanks, Kite. Buck, buck. Thanks, Kite. 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 <clears throat> I have some odds and sods. And uh, potentially we get to some uh, listener questions. You got anything you want to talk about? You want to talk about wallets? Yeah, we should talk about wallets. We should. You were t- very enthusiastic about responding to wallets. I have strong opinions about about things that go right and wrong with wallets. Interesting. Tell me more. Well, uh, I have never been a George Costanza style wallet uh, carrier. Never. Never. Huh. Uh, and I, but I appreciate that. I respect that because you know it, it's it's a combination of preparedness and laziness that you get into a George Costanza situation where every receipt you just wind up shoving it in there with the with the dollar bills and and uh, eventually you you've got a uh, fifty receipts and you don't know which one you need and and because of the heat from being in the wallet on a hot day now the thermal paper is wearing out and the receipts have just oh, become you're, you're doing some butt butt baking butt baking. And so, you know, I've never, but I've never done that. Um, you know, somebody who has every single credit card or membership card or flight rewards card or hotel rewards card, every single one of them, you know, you don't really need those things. You can still check in without them. You just tell them your name and give them your ID and they can look up the number. You don't need these cards that the airlines send you and the hotels send you and everything else. And by the way, that's a good tangent topic if you ever want to get into it about rewards programs, uh, because I have a lot to say about that. I use them constantly. But, you know, there's no excuse for having one of those big fat wallets anymore. And I've, I've dabbled with the front pocket wallets, with minimal wallets, with uh, wallets made out of alternative materials, wallets where it's just a, a kind of metal holster that you click your credit cards into. Uh, and, and so I've done all of this stuff. I've tried having like a wallet that has just like my ID and two credit cards in it and then having a money clip for when I need to carry cash. Like I've done everything. And so I don't know exactly where you want to go with this, but I'm, I'm just wondering when to explore your interest in it. I find it. I, I, I used find to be very interested in it, and I've just basically settled on 
this same wallet that I've been using for 15 years. But I, I know for some people it's a holy grail to like really – it's a minimalist thing. Right where you want to like oh by the way streetcar's back. Um, it's oh, a minimalist thing where where you want to for your own reasons maybe physical reasons but also for as just like a little game you want to get as lean as you possibly can. If there's anything that can be in Apple Wallet, put it there. If you don't need it, like don't carry old business cards around, don't carry old receipts around. I, I know that this is something people are very interested in. Well, yes, absolutely, and I think that there is a the notion of of this came for me. Um, when my friend, I was having kind of like a, not like back issues like I had later in life, but just like a little bit of a sore back on one side. And, uh, a buddy of mine, uh, was sitting there in, in the, the next cube over and we were talking about it and he's like, oh yeah, I, I had the same problem. And my doctor said to stop carrying my wallet in my back pocket. I said, mm-hmm. that's enough to affect it. He said, yes. He said, because it's just enough to sort of throw things off a little bit, especially if you're sitting, you might adjust the way that you're sitting to lean to the other side or lean on that side or distribute your weight differently, whatever. And I thought, okay, so what do you do? He said, front pocket. I put, I put my wallet in my front pocket now and that problem has gone and I tried it and it worked. And I said, well, hmm. that's interesting. And then I eventually I found that they were people were making front pocket wallets, wallets that are a different kind of size and and in some cases a whole different shape. I actually got a wallet from a company called uh, Orvis, uh, where they it was how do I describe this? It had a a bit of a point to it on the bottom part, and then the top part had kind of a curve so that it fit into the shape that most jeans pockets have. You know, if you put your hand in your jeans, like the the one side of it is straight and flat and then the other side of it has kind of a curve and you you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And and so it, I, I've I've seen this. There was that there was that plastic one that was going around for the, a while that everybody likes. The Jimmy or the Slimmy or Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I tried that, didn't like it. Um but I'm going to I'll put this Orvis wallet in. I use this one for I'm going to send it to you also, but I use this one for quite a while and it it worked really nicely uh as a as a front pocket wallet. It was the one that I I liked the most. I also got a real as a gift, I got one that was a, a Tanner Goods wallet that wow, was a, a little yeah isn't that cool and it, that thing i still have it still works uh, but so the curve means it fits into your pocket when it's curved side down right curved side down and it and hmm. then it, it kind of fits along so the right hand side is the straight edge if it's in your like your left pocket and uh and then the curve goes down so it's it's the same shape as a pocket and that that's kind of cool but what i have now is just a very traditional you know, place for you to put your money. It's got a driver license window and it's got a place for three cards. And I found I can't really do less than I could maybe get away with two cards, but three, because I have one that's for business purchases mm-hmm. and then uh, two non-business purchase ones. I can't really cut it down more than that, but I don't keep anything else in the wallet. If I am given a business card, by somebody, I will uh, I will put it in my shirt pocket, or I'll keep it in just my my regular pocket, uh, because if I put it in the regular wallet, it'll just stay in there. So it's like these yeah. little these little routines that you have to do. It's like if you get a receipt, okay, that goes in your pocket, not in your wallet, because otherwise it'll just stay in your wallet forever. 
Mm-hmm. And so those are the things. So that, part of it's also it's not just the wall; it's also having a philosophy about how you do and don't use it. Yeah, you, I think you need to have a philosophy because it's, it becomes very, very easy to have too much stuff in there, and there can be physical ramifications of keeping something too thick in your back pocket. There's also a downside to that. I remember I, I had a 43 folders post about this. I forget where I learned this, but one idea that somebody had that I thought was really smart was every every few months uh, take out all the contents of your wallet and put them into a, a copy machine. And make a copy. So if you, the thing is, if you lose your wallet, especially, I mean, if I lost my wallet, uh, God forbid, I would have a pretty good idea what I lost because I don't carry a lot of stuff around. But the idea is, if you do need to recreate the stuff that was in your wallet, like how will you even know what all to do? Right. Like, like what's your driver's this? license number if if you can't? Yeah, look but at like your it's license. also it's also like in a moment of panic like that, it's nice to have a piece of paper you pull out and like these are all the things I need to replace. And, you know, and, and if you, if, if, okay, so if that seems crazy to you that you would even need that, you're probably in good shape. If the idea is that you would need five pages to accommodate all the contents of your wallet, well, that's an interesting wake up call also. There is a thing here. I don't know if you say mochi or mochi things, uh, but I'm putting this into the show notes. This is a, uh, what they call a mini card book. It's on sale. It's normally $20.95. It's on sale for $16.76. But this is – it's almost like a little uh, – I don't want to call it a Rolodex, but it has little uh, compartments where you can put all these different cards that we're talking about with little like tabs on top of them. They come in hmm. different colors. So if you have you know like your gift card and your um, – airline reward card and your hotel reward card and whatever, you can put them in this, then they can be organized. And then if you find that you need one of those, it's always there and it's in, it's in one place and you can just grab this thing and, and go or even take it with you on a trip if you needed to or keep it in your car or whatever you feel like doing. Uh, and that, that keeps everything kind of organized and together. And so that is a good kind of fallback for – because the chances are, you know, I get, I like, I get the whole, I want to be prepared for any kind of contingency. You never know when you might find yourself unexpectedly at a Westin and need your SPG rewards number. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, but you can look that up or like you just said, like take a picture of it. And then it's in, like I had for a while when I was really into the hobby of, uh, of fish tanks and having a fish tank, you know, I never knew when I might go buy Aquatech and I might need my, uh, my, you know, member club card that gave me the little discount. Well, I said, can I just take a picture of this and show it to you? And they said, sure. They don't care. Most of the time, places like that don't don't care at all. So that's another alternative. I got a theory about those kinds of cards. I think a lot of the times they want you to carry that around because it ends up being a tacit advertisement for the company. It's like, remember, yeah. oh, you know, on the one hand, there's the motivation of like, oh, you know, two more of these and I've become a submarine commando or whatever. But like it's, it's, it's to keep you, you know, top of mind. Um, my wallet is very boring. It's in show notes. I have the classic taxi wallet <clears throat> it's not i don't have that much more to say about it but here's what i will say now this is going to sound crazy uh but this is one of my multifaceted tips that uh, the more you think about this the more you'll get from this um if you have uh, a password manager like one password mm-hmm. consider using that um because there's a lot of stuff people i think may not know you can do with one password um and this is not the like on label use for this, but for example, let me open it up here. Um, there are sections for things like your logins, sure, secure notes, credit cards, passwords, bank accounts, driver's licenses, servers, databases, etc. Now, the thing is, what you might want to do is f- just for all kinds of reasons, take out everything in your wallet 
and make sure those credit cards are entered in in one password. If it's something like your Zoom membership card, why don't you, it sounds so dumb, but make a note or a new card for that that says like when it expires. Uh, everything in your wallet could go into one password with the tag wallet. Mm-hmm. Sure. So you can tag stuff. So now if you, you just go look under your wallet tag and you'll see everything that was in your wallet. Now this also additionally now does mean there's a bunch of stuff that you'll have on your phone all the time from now on. So if you just need to enter a number for something, that's that's all you need to do. A lot of those membership services like Safeway or whatever or Walgreens, all you have to do is enter your um, phone number and it'll it'll work for you. But there, you know, so I say this why you know why is this so handy? Well, first of all, you got all your stuff in there securely. It's all, that's all good. If you ever like lose your stuff, now you've got one stop shopping for finding all the places that it goes. Um, I used to do this. I I've had better luck than I used to with credit card um, abuse. You know, like your card gets compromised, you get a new card. But there's one point where it's happening often enough that I created an Omni Outliner document for where all the places that I use that credit card. These days, I just go into my financial app and just look under that card, and I look for all the things that immediately. You know, what I'm saying like you say, oh yeah, this is, I use this for Apple, I use this for you know whatever, 37 Signals or whatever. You can go in and then change all that stuff. But you know, major twice cut once. There's no reason to do this stuff over and over or to be stressed out. And something like One Password can be used for so much of this stuff. And like I say, it's secure and it's there wherever you go when you get to that. Marriott, if you've forgotten your card, well, don't sweat it because it's all in there. Your airline card, any of that stuff, it can all be, if it, you know, an astonishing amount of stuff can go into Apple Wallet. And there are apps that you can get that will let you hack on that and create your own cards. Right. Have you, I mean, people don't do that so much anymore. It was kind of hot when Wallet first came out. Right. Yeah. You could like make your own card with your own like design or picture on it. Yeah. It's a little bit hacky, but I mean, at least last time I did it, but you can get that all into Wallet. Did you do but, it? Like, I did it. I got an app. I wanted to put my library card in there and stuff like that. But what do I have? I don't have my wallet near me right now. But, you know, I've got stuff like our, you know, my library card, our zoo membership card, um, health card. Apart from that, it's credit cards, driver's license, picture of my kid. Like, not much. Mm-hmm. And, I do, and yeah, I do carry cash because I think you should have cash. Do you need cash? I wish I, wish I ran a cash-only business. Yeah, I know. It's, well, it's important to have. People get so used to that. And it's like... They're so aghast when they go to the local Thai restaurant. They're like, we only take cash. They're like, oh, what kind of monster are you? And it's like, well, you can't have cash, man. That's crazy. Um, any other uh, big wallet tips? You know what? Here, here's a tip. Here's yeah. a tip. Go home. Take all the junk out of your wallet all the way out. Whatever wallet you have right now. Yes. Go home. This when was, you have this was going to be my tip. Take everything out of your wallet. Now feel your wallet with nothing in it. Because it's it's um, it's remarkable, and then go and just put back the stuff that you absolutely need. Put the other stuff somewhere where you can find it. I do this when I travel. Like I take. Oh, oh yeah. I also have I have two muni cards. Like but that I don't need when I'm traveling. But you know it, it could be really informative if you went and took out everything all the way down, and then just put put back exactly the stuff that you need. That might be all. It's it's like when we need to clean out the freezer, where I take everything out of the freezer, we throw away like three old things, and everything fits so much better. When yeah, you put it back and in. sometimes it is just those three things that's screwing everything else up, you know. But totally, totally, you can you can say to yourself, I mean, I'm not saying keep a journal about the stuff in your wallet, but. It's often one of those things, and this is my philosophy with keeping the computer as stock as possible. When I get a new computer, if I don't transfer over the information, which I usually don't, I'll start fresh. As I need an application, if it's not there, I just install it. 
oh, right. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a few that I know that I'm going to need, of course. So I'll install those right off the get out, right off out, out the door. But there's other ones where I might not necessarily think about them. Well, if I don't need them to be on the computer system, that's because I haven't needed to use them yet. And so if I say, oh, right, mm-hmm. I need paparazzi, that old application that lets me take a screenshot. I better oh, go yeah, grab right. that thing and install it. I'm not just going to install that because maybe I don't need it anymore. Maybe it's I haven't used it in a long time. I think the same <laughs> can be true for your wallet. You look at your wallet. Or and you your say, phone. Bro, yeah, your phone for sure. But why? I've do gone we- through these, page, these times where I'm like, there's just too much junk on here. Like It won't fit on screens anymore. Yeah. I don't really use yeah. And I'll get to I'll get to like a bunch of apps and I'm like, I don't know what that app does. And I'll think, hmm, I better save it. And I'm like, wait a minute, if you don't know what that app does, you could probably let it go. Yeah, it's not your your download that you paid for is most unless they've discontinued the app, it's still gonna be there. It's still gonna work, you know. You can get it later, get it when you need it. And oh I, oh, I do have something to talk to you about. Holy crap, I can't believe I almost forgot that. Okay, I'll come back. I made a note. Uh but with a wallet, it's the same thing. You might have 10 credit cards. How many do you really use? How many should you be using? You know, what? Yeah, what that's a lot of credit cards. I, I, people have them. People, people have a lot. their credit cards. Yeah, they do. Yeah. I have two, and I think that's excessive. I think it's ridiculous that I have two. Well, you got to have one in case one doesn't work. I guess. Sometimes they just don't work. Ugh, I hate that. But I never, 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 never use, and I'm, 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 I think probably I'm the only human being that follows this rule. But I never use, like, I don't walk around with my debit card. I don't use that unless I need to withdraw money for a specific reason. If I need to withdraw money, I will take the card. I will bring it with me. I will withdraw money. And then later that day, I'll return it to its safe place in my house. And the reason is, uh, and this actually happened to my wife, is that if if you or somebody who shouldn't be using your card uses the debit card, that money is removed immediately from your bank account. Now, a lot of the time, that's fine. You don't care about that. Whole Foods wouldn't care about that. Gas station probably wouldn't care about that because I'm buying the thing that I'm buying. And nothing is like really going to go wrong with it. But I've had situations where I've purchased something and then for whatever reason, getting a refund was difficult. Well, if it's on a credit card, you can contact the credit card and say, this thing that I bought was horrible or I don't want it or it was broken or it never showed up. And they immediately credit you back and then they go oh. and resolve the issue. It's now between, it's now their problem to go and get that money back from the vendor or take That's the loss. That's cool. That's where, very cool. Whereas if, if it's already gone from your account, you got to fight to get your money back in your account. And what happened to my wife was uh, this was maybe 15 years ago. She was working as a corporate stooge at a telecommunications company billing systems company and she had her purse in her desk drawer which could be locked uh, but she was sitting there and it was unlocked while she was sitting there and there was a maintenance guy who was doing maintenance on their floor doing something and uh, she got up to use the restroom and came back and uh, the maintenance guy was gone and she didn't find this out until later but so were was her wallet with credit cards and other things in it oh and man within, that's so lame within 15 minutes he had gone, filled up a gas station, bought uh, at what a gas station. What is it with station. gas stations? I don't they know. always get gas. I don't know. He got gas. It's he, gas and Christian dating. It's he got, he got food. He went to three different Targets and Walmarts and bought Xboxes and Playstations and then, uh, then threw the, the whole wallet away in a trash can. He can retire from that maintenance job. That's pretty good. You know, he wasn't a maintenance guy. He dressed up as a maintenance guy. Oh, and no, you didn't. Yes, and followed someone in without a, a card, followed someone into an elevator, made it up to the floor, and was just wa- pretending to do maintenance stuff 
until he saw an opportunity and she, hers wasn't the only thing that he stole. And so, yeah, so that happened. But ever since then, you know, we had to fight to get, we had to like show proof of police reports and everything else to get back this money sure. that was right on her debit card. So as a rule, I don't travel with or use a debit card unless I need to like go get money out. I have no, I have my credit cards are set up to auto pay. If I, if I need them uh, to stop that, I can stop it. But I look at every charge that comes on there. And so when in the auto pay time comes around, I get an email from the credit card company that says tomorrow we're going to be uh, your payment is scheduled or something like that. And yes. so I, I, that's a really good reminder to go and look at the stuff that you've bought and make sure it's legit before that payment comes out of your bank account and goes to the to the credit card. Smart So that's a, it's a hacking, hack, a little that's hacking, a hack. Hack, life hack. Um, before you tell your other thing, I just have one more about this because this, and this is again, very 43 folders, but like I do this one thing a lot, similar to what you're doing with the wallet or the freezer. Um I do this with the two big drawers that we have stuff in in our kitchen. And they're not drunk, junk drawers. Like there's one that has stuff like the, the, the zester right. and the spatulas and the big spoon and all the kind of stuff. And the other one, which I tend to call the sharps container, that's the drawer that has all this incredibly sharp stuff that wants to stab me, the little corn cob holders, all that kind of stuff. I usually end up doing this in a fit of peak, but it, you could do this in a fit of non-peak. This is going to sound crazy, but this works for so many things. Get a banker's box or similar. Take everything out of those drawers. And for the next week, uh, I know you know this, but try this. Try it again. It's going to blow your mind. Take out everything in that drawer. Put it into a banker's box somewhere in the dining room or wherever. And anytime you need something, oh, I need the the little, uh, little pink corn holders for corn on the cob. Go and get them. If you need that knife, go and get it. Even after a week. It's going to blow your mind how much stuff in that drawer you haven't needed in a week. It doesn't mean you have to throw it out, but you have just sent your brain a very important message, which is I do not need all of the kipple that I have accumulated. It, there is a surprising amount of stuff in there. If you don't love using that, not to be a Marie Kondo, if you, there's something in there you don't like using anymore, get rid of it. Like a, a dull knife does not a happy person make. Like either get it honed or throw it away. If there's some junky, like, gift wine decanter thing that's been taken up all that space, get it out of there. If you don't use your electric knife anymore, get rid of those blades. They're right. just going to cut you. Right. <laughs> but, like, just try that Try that for a week with one drawer, let alone with your junk drawer. It would blow your mind. This is an old Martha Stewart trick that I used to talk about on 43 Folders. If there's something you're thinking about getting rid of, put all the stuff you're thinking about getting rid of into a box and seal it with the date on it. And if you haven't opened that box in six months, throw this it away. That's what I've said a million it. times on this show. That's my system for the getting stuff out in the garage. Yeah, yeah. Like if you haven't opened it, you don't need it anymore. Yeah. It's gone. It's gone. You haven't used it. You don't need it. Get rid of it. But try the wallet trick with your kitchen. Uh, tr- try it with your with the stuff in your life. It can be uh, a very good thing. Great tips. You have uh, you had something else to say. Do you want to tell me about one more thing that you like? Yeah, let me tell you all about it. This is a brand new company. I doubt- Oh, we got to welcome a new sponsor I, this week? Well- I doubt anyone's heard of this company. It's it's a it's new. It's a company called Squarespace. School, school, school. You got it. You can do it. Square, Squarespace. You did it. Squarespace. This is an amazing company Woo! that lets you turn your cool idea into a new website. It lets you blog or publish content. You can sell products and services of all kinds. You can promote your physical or your online business. You can announce an event. You can you can uh, host a, a, a podcast on it. For gosh sake, you could mm-hmm. if you're a musician, you can upload a whole album and and have a little player and anything that you want to do. If it's about creating a website, Squarespace makes it easy for you 
to do this. They have beautiful templates created by world-class designers. They've got built-in, powerful e-commerce functionality. When you go to sell stuff, if you want to use them to sell stuff, to set up your storefront, they'll even help you do things like calculate shipping and figure out what kind of box you need to use. You can plug in different carriers and they'll compute it right there. So if somebody says, okay, well, I want one enamel pin and I want two mugs and a t-shirt, Squarespace will figure out this is how much those things are going to cost to ship to that person with the carrier that they've selected. You say, well, of course, why wouldn't it do that? Well, it does it and it's cool Mm. and you don't have to do anything by hand. You can look like a genius just by signing up for Squarespace and, and putting your website there. Plus, now... In addition to that cool tool that lets you make your own logos, they now have a built-in domain name registration. So if you're setting up your Squarespace site, you can register a domain all in one place. They've got over 200 extensions or TLDs, as Merlin likes to say. I call them TLDs. They've got built-in analytics. They've got built-in search engine optimization. Uh, everything that's it's all secure. You don't have to patch anything or upgrade anything. And they've got 24-7 customer support that uh, has even won some awards in that regard as well. And, mm. and they're encouraging people to try this, to make it yourself, to get out there and do something and make something cool and spend the time doing the thing that you really like to do. Maybe you make wallets and that's mm-hmm. your thing. You need a website to sell them. You're not there to make a website. You're there mm-hmm. to make wallets. So spend the time doing the thing that you love and not the stuff that's hard. Let Squarespace make it easy. Squarespace.com slash it's your show. Squarespace.com slash it's your show will give you a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code It's Your Show, and you'll save 10% off your first purchase, whether you're getting a website or a domain or both. That's the code to use It's Your Show at squarespace.com slash It's Your Show. And we appreciate the support of Squarespace, the brand new company from New York. Hmm. Welcome. Welcome Thanks, to the Squarespace. show. Thanks, Squarespace. I'm winded. Um, you need to, do you need to lay down? I need to lay down. <clears throat> um, um, let's see. Bach, donors choose. Okay, here's a good one. Um, uh, Jason Goldman posted a link to something on uh, Twitter yesterday that I thought was super interesting, and I'm going to so try this. Thank you, uh, Jason. So go look and show notes, uh, Dan. Go look at how to fall asleep in 120 seconds. All right. I'm clicking. I'm typing. And I added some sort of auxiliary notes to this. This is a Medium article, uh, because it's rarely done well. Um, This is a Medium article uh, from one Sharon Ackman. Sharon Ackman. And uh, there's some paragraphs that we don't really need. Um, About how hard it is to fall asleep. And basically learning that in the military, especially with pilots, they learn that there's this huge issue with sleep. It's hard to get, it's hard to get, you know, Little bits of sleep when you can snatch it. Uh, luckily, da, 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 U.S. Navy pre-flight school developed a scientific method to fall asleep day or night in any conditions in under two minutes. After six weeks of practice, 96% of pilots could fall asleep in two minutes or less, even after drinking coffee with machine gun fire being played in the background. No, it's not possible. Frequently. Not possible. That's that's not many seconds, 120 uh, seconds. Um, anyway, I just thought this would be interesting for people to look at. Um, I saw in various places this has been talked about. I tried it a little bit last night, and it does seem to help. The, the nut of it is that like wherever you are, if you have somewhere to just even sit in a chair or lay down, uh, I guess step zero is you get your mind right with the idea that you're going to have something besides sleep in your cozy, cozy bed. But then you do stuff like you didn't cover your eyes and stuff like that. But it's essentially this way of relaxing yourself that I thought was very interesting, including stuff like um, – 
and this I found this to be really true. Like, make sure your jaw is slack. There's no wrinkles in your face, unless you're me. You're trying to go <laughs> as limp. You're as limp as possible. Uh, one that I have also found works: pushing your shoulders back so you're not tensing up with your neck. Um, anyway, I just thought people might like this. If you want to try this, I'm going to try this um, and and make myself do this for sleeps and the occasional nap, and uh, see if I can get better at going to sleep faster. I can't wait to hear about that. Yeah, you should try this. And there's one part. What was the one part that was so weird? I don't know. When you relax your face and let your eye sockets go limp, let your eye sockets go limp. You signal to the rest of your body that it's time to unwind. I don't know how to do that. That sounds like one of those things like wiggling your ears that I'm not sure how to do. Mm -hmm. But I think this is a fun experiment and I'm going to try it. I think I added some auxiliary things in here. Uh, that website, The Art of Manliness, has an article about this. Um, and then there's some stuff. There's, there's some PDFs you can read about this. But yeah, anyway, that's a way that you can uh, help yourself fall asleep. That's all I want to say about that. Okay. Okay, then. Okay, then. Um, I don't have too much more. I had a weird idea. We don't talk about this week. We're probably pretty good mostly after your tip tell me your tell me the other thing you were going to talk about uh i've got three. we were talking about wallets and you thought of another yes, thing you wanted yes, to talk about yes yes a good one i i want to report on two things and then i'll talk about the the good one uh the first thing is we're still enjoying watching and enjoying as a, as a family star trek the next generation nice. um we're on just starting season 2 and tonight's episode is one that my kids uh saw in the list and are very excited to see and i believe it is called uh, elementary uh, Dear Data. It is the... Oh, uh, yeah. This is when they go in the holodeck with yes. the Sherlock Holmes stuff. Yeah, yes. This is a famous one. It's one of one of my favorite episodes. Uh, and yes, indeed, they go into the holodeck and the... I think it's Jordy who makes the request, but he... The, the, the thing is, they say... you know, So Data's been going into the holodeck and being uh, essentially Sherlock Holmes. And this started in something in season one where Picard introduced him to Sherlock Holmes and he actually got a Meerschaum pipe for a little while and was smoking <laughs> out of that. But he uh, he goes into the holodeck and he's, I guess, I forget if there's a backstory that he's not super challenged by it, but what Jordy says is to the computer, to the holodeck computer, it says, create a... Uh, an opponent, an adversary who is worthy of data. Now he doesn't say of Sherlock Holmes. He says of data. Hmm. And that changes the whole game up because the computer knows that data is incredibly smart and incredibly fast. And this provides him with an adversary who isn't just a character, but uses essentially the full resources of the ships and of the enterprise to become an intelligent Oh, being within well, the holiday. what you ask for. Woo. Yeah. So I won't say any more about it, but uh, that's that's a great episode. I was reading your friend Max Temkin's uh, how to. I'll put this in the show notes too. Isn't that a good? Isn't that a good thing? Yeah. He says um, that how, how to basically how to watch Star Trek: The Next Generation in forty hours, and he picks what he believes are his favorite episodes, or what he believes are the not his favorite. He picks his favorite episodes. Which he, I think, believes are the most important episodes to. He's doing. To get he's doing a, an important service here. Like I, I, I am behind what he is doing, which is he's saying I have an opinionated idea. Well, first of all, let's all take it as read. Your time is limited. Right. It's easy enough to say to, to Syracuse somebody and say, 
well, of course, you have to go watch it from the first second all the way through mm-hmm. in order. Mm-hmm. But like nobody's going to do that. And if you're going to do that, you already know how to do that. What you don't know is a curated view yeah. of like if you tend to like this person's opinions, you might like their idea about which episodes you can miss. And he's real good about saying well, there's a whole bunch of episodes you can miss, at least you know according to him. So I, I think that was a very, that's a valuable service when people do that. Yeah, I put it in the show notes, which are going to be at 5x5.tv slash B is in brothers, 2 is in the number, W is in walrus slash 389. We are not following this. We are watching the Syracuse away every episode in order. Nice. Uh, and, and we're enjoying that as it goes right now. But if if it's if you don't have that much time or you just kind of want to jump in and, and get the gist of it and see some mm-hmm. really great episodes and not have to sort of struggle through ones where you're like, why did we just watch that? Uh, then and there are plenty of those. Uh, I've heard the ar- the biggest argument I've heard against doing it this way is that even if an episode isn't great, it's still building the characters. It's still developing the interplay sure. between the characters. And and so, for example, um, toward the end of season one, I'm not giving any details away. Um, something big happens, and a character uh, who you've uh, come to know. Um, uh, dies. I won't say who mm-hmm. it is or what happens, but uh, if, you know, I was thinking about it and here, you know, I've been watching it with my kids for th- two or three weeks before that episode happens and we've been watching it each night. They love it. It's They they set it all up. They'll get it ready to go and, and they were really enjoying it. But in in real time, when I first watched this show as a early teenager, I guess, you know, it wasn't three weeks that I'd spent and 22 or 23 episodes in. It was 23 weeks in. Right. And there's a big difference between something you watch over 23 weeks and 23 days. And well, that's a good point. And, it's a and, different way of doing it. And so, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure whether it's for you or not, but I found this article to be very interesting and valuable. And it's helped me at the very least, even though we're watching them all as a completionist type thing it's helped me identify which are the great episodes that i should really look forward to although he does not have elementary dear data listed as one of the episodes in season two to uh to watch so shame on him (laughs) Uh, now the other the other thing i was gonna uh, mention is that well this is i'll just jump to the big one uh i got a sonos one Oh, oh, the new ones? The, I, I think it's the new one. It's a Sonos O-N-E, one, Sonos One. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with that particular one or which. Yeah, I've, I've certainly looked at it. Because um, f- it has the Alexa. Yes. Sorry, has, Alexa, stop. <laughs> it has that built into it. And I hadn't really um, I hadn't really considered one of these, but a friend of mine got one. And uh, and I got a chance to see it in action and hear it and really listen to it. And it just – it really, really impressed me. I was blown away by it at the way the app worked, at the interface, at the integration. And I, after hearing you talk about these types of things for a long time and seeing this one in person, not in a store where there's a million distractions, but I really had time to just sit there and, and try it and play with mm-hmm. it and use it. I said, dang, I've got to get one of these. And – you know, the only time that we've ever really listened to music in my house for years, because we don't have a stereo system. We don't have a hi-fi, as you say. It just plays through the TV. It would be like through the TV or someone's mm-hmm. computer or iPad or something playing. So the real overall music experience has been lacking. And it, it really struck me after I got to hear this. I said, this could be something that we would really like. And I brought it home and I, I hooked it up. 
and uh, they love it. My family uses it nonstop now. All of them are loving it. So I just wanted to point out, I think you can go cheaper than this one by, uh, by not getting the one that has Alexa built in. Uh, I think there's a Play, Sonos Play one, maybe that's, I mm-hmm. think, the same thing, but 50 bucks less. It's confusing because there's the Play colon one. Right. And then there's the Sonos one O-N-E. It's like an Xbox thing all over again. Right. Uh, but the but sound. They, but if you want this one, they, the O-N-E. Well, this is, this is the thing. I mean, like, I, I have all the dinguses, and I have been actively testing all of the dinguses. And I'm just here to tell you, like, the HomePod sounds amazing, yeah. but Siri is still hot garbage. It's bad, 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 bad. <laughs> Um, the, um, the Google one is very good. Alexa is, uh, Alexa, stop. Alexa, stop. Uh, the Amazon voice controlled canister woman product mm-hmm. is, uh, is to me still head and shoulders above the rest. And, and I can tell you this because I've started doing a thing, which is I have all of these arrayed in, uh, in a room of the house and I will, because this is just an ongoing thing that I'm doing these days. I know this is crazy. This is dumb old Merlin. Why would you do this? I will try and accomplish a task using each of the three assistants. Right. Um, with, you know, my same voice, same way. Um, and the Amazon product is still head and shoulders. I wish I had the sound of the HomePod with the Amazon voice product. Which one? So I, I was going to say, of, of all, if you're just doing music, which one sounds the best? And have you used the Sonos Play one well, or I've, one? I, I have two of the original Sonos colon ones. Okay. The, the Sonos Giant Ass Boy and a Sonos Soundbar. Um, but the Sonos Soundbar is the only one that works with um, the Amazon product. Right. Also, I'm just a little not so sure about what's going to happen with Sonos. So if you're just getting one for fun, you're good. But like, I don't know if I'd be willing to invest in this as like my home system. Um, we mostly get by fine with the with the Amazon products. Uh, it works just fine. Hey, here's another thing. Did you know that like once you got everything hooked up, did you know that you can pause your Apple TV with Siri? Uh, will you just tell it pause? No, you say, "Hey, Dingus, pause Apple TV." That's interesting. That cool? Yeah. And it doesn't work with all the devices. It doesn't work with the watch. I'm not sure. I think it works with HomePod. It works with HomeKit, the app. And it works with, um, I mean, obviously, you can just click it on your phone if you want to do the uh, control. What's it called? Status system control place. <laughs> what's that called? Yeah, I, no. Pulley down. Pulley downy boy. Yeah, the do con- down control boy. center. Control center. Is that what it's called? Give that man a ham. <laughs> Uh, but no, I think you're, I think you're right. I mean, like I, I like the Sonos as we've got. And what's neat is if you do get their fairly affordable soundbar, you can then use two of even the very old Sonos, uh, satellite speakers as satellites. So you can like kind of fake a surround sound thing with it. Right. They're very cool. Their, their app is not great, but having the Amazon lady in a tube makes that very inviting. Oh, these are like 200 bucks. Yeah. Oh, wow. See, I don't need this, but it looks really cool. It's great. I love it. Yeah. All right. I might try this. Now, I, for um, the record, I haven't, um, I haven't used the, the Apple HomePod before. I've seen it multiple times in the stores and heard it in the stores. But again, that's not the same thing as being in a quiet room 
with it. And well, I mean, there's there's no question about it, and this is what everybody falls back on from the beginning. It's like, oh my god, it's such an amazing speaker, and like it's it's a really good speaker. It's mm-hmm. got a really big sound. I don't know about all the like Disney magic behind whether it's surroundy, soundy, fake stereo. It does you know Disney magic with the sound. I don't know about any of that, but it does sound really great for sure. It's way overpriced for what it does. And the fact that it's not, I mean, here's what it comes down to. If you want good speakers, go buy good speakers. You can buy really, really, really good speakers. If you want really good voice control, you got to go with the ecosystem that's winning. And at this point, I think that's a, at this point anyway, that's neck and neck, Google and uh, Amazon. I mean, everybody is on tenterhooks praying that there's an announcement next month about how Siri has gotten some wood behind the arrow and it's finally going to be good. Siri still defecates the bed so often that it's bananas. It's it's really bad. I mean, just yeah, we're, we're back to where we were years ago. We're like, I use these things all day long. Like, I really, really like use these, and I'm still blown away with how often it just doesn't hear what I said. Now, that's the other good thing about the HomePod, ironically enough, is it is great because of their array of mics and the way it works. It can hear you speaking in a normal tone of voice or even a very quiet voice way better than the other ones. But I, I, I wouldn't recommend the HomePod to like in your average bear. I think you did a good one here. I think I'm going to get one of these and try it. Well, I, I love it and the sound from it. Again, I, I'm not able to compare it to what a HomePod would sound like in the same location in my same yeah. house. But I can tell you that it, it has a shocking amount of depth to it audio-wise and and. And the bass that's from it is great without being too heavy. You know, it just, mm-hmm. it sounds really, really good. And uh, and what I also like about it, and, and I think you've told me about this, but I just want to mention it is, yes, you can use their app and their app allows you to add different services such as Spotify yes. or uh, Amazon Music. Music, things, yeah, things like that. But what's really cool about it is each, what they call when installing an app on your device is that it's called they or they refer to that as a controller. So you can install the app on your phone. I can install it on mine. My wife can install it on hers. And each of these then becomes a controller because what the Sonos is doing is in the background, you, you tell it, start playing this music or this playlist or this service or this radio, Mm -hmm. and it will continue doing that. It is essentially then a client the same way that your iPhone or iPad or whatever is a client to say Spotify in this case. So if you, if you tell it to play a playlist, it's on Spotify or radio station on Spotify, you can leave, you can take your phone and turn it off or leave the house or whatever. And it will keep playing because it is independently going. You're not streaming it from your device. Well, you're not shooting it via airplay, right? It is. It, yeah. it is in and of itself its own client that's out talking. And I don't know why I never made that connection before, but that mm-hmm. was that was really nice. But as I discovered quickly, it also shows up in AirPlay as a speaker. So if yes. you don't want to install any clients or anything, you can just pick it as a speaker it's ni- with it's AirPlay. It's nice to have those options. This is one reason I love Spotify is there's a, there's a, a Spotify client on effing everything except for one device. <laughs> I mean – there's you can there's a Spotify for my TV. Yeah. So like I can throw to my TV yeah. and then be controlling it from the TV. That's cool. Or from my device, it's great. But it's not on HomePod because right. that's not how they roll. Right. There's no audio in on a HomePod, which is mental to me. But no, you're absolutely right. It is great. And one one neat trick that you probably already know is if you go into, well, here's the thing: Are you able to do stuff using the Alexa app? Like for example, with my Alexa, stop. I believe the Amazon, you can. the Amazon canister female 
has an app associated with it where you can go in and say, in my case, because I have mini dingai, I can go in and say what my preferred music service is, which in my case is Spotify. So if I say, um, Alexa, play What is Love by Howard Jones. What is Love by Howard Jones from Spotify? Alexa, stop. Alexa, stop! <laughs> um, it knows to do from Spotify. You no longer have to say play What is Love by Howard Jones from Spotify. It knows that for you. So it won't try to do their janky-ass limited you haven't subscribed to Amazon service. It'll always know to go to Spotify. Right. I don't know if you can do that, but it's super handy. That's very I cool. like I like the omnivorous nature of the Sonos ecosystem. I just I using their app is murder. It's really you can it really feels like it was God bless you. It really feels like it was designed by an engineer. That's, I mean it's, it's almost like so a bad, bad remote control. You know, did we, was that you and me talking about that? Yeah, it's like a bad remote control. Yeah, we did. We talked about this. We're like, it makes sense visually to put everything in like horizontal and vertical rows. It doesn't make sense for your hand. What your hand wants, we talked about this with your slide remote. That's what it was. Your hand wants something like a TiVo peanut. Like it wants something where your hands fall naturally, your thumb falls naturally on the places where you would want to do stuff instead of having to look at it. Like the, the Sonos app for like controlling all the different services is, have you used it? The Sonos app? Yeah. I use it all the time. It's bad. It's all right. It's, pretty, it's bad. Uh, it's not it's great, bad. but it's not bad. It lets you do a lot of different things. That Howard Jones song is really good. It's a little, know, it sounds a little dated, but it's a very good tune. What they had to, no comment, what they had to do mm. was mm. They, had to, uh, they had to make an interface that was going to be consistent across all of these different services that all yeah. work really differently. <laughs> they wrote it in Java. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and so it doesn't, feel, it doesn't feel like a website. It doesn't feel like, a, uh, like, like the native apps for each you service. You don't think it's one of those WebView apps? You don't think it's yeah, something might, it like... It might be. Well, that's be. what the Amazon Amazon uh, Tube female is. That's basically a, it's like a WebView on your yeah, phone. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's not bad enough know. to make me like not use it. Good tip. You talked me into it. We're running long here. What do you got? That's it. That's it. That's yeah, everything. Done. Music. Music. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Pretty excited about that Queen movie. You know, I love Queen. They're one of my favorite bands. I'm pretty excited about seeing Mr. Robot in the Queen movie. Yeah, he, that looks great. He's such Doesn't a great actor. Great? He is a great actor. Did you watch um, Upgrade? Have you seen that? Upgrade. Have you seen that? No, I have not. I can't decide if you'd like it. I feel like you might like it. Upgrade. What's it on? Upgrade. <laughs> I have to say that like an idiocracy. Upgrade with two Ds for a double dose of his pimpin'. Upgrade. <laughs> Upgrade. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Upgrade. It's kind of a, uh, it's a violent. Alexa, stop! You know, you know, you can still trick it. You can election. What time is it? Oh, I got it. It got it, and then denied it. We had one this morning where my daughter and I were we we, we like to find phrases that sound like the hail word. Anyway, we don't really have much of a life. Anymore. She has a lot of homework. <laughs> she has a lot of homework lot to of do, homework, Dan. Yeah, her little her little fingers are just just down to the bone. Oh. I will send you. You must not share this, but I will send you. I don't share anything. This is before it was corrected, but you can look at this off air. This is her uh, essay she had to write yesterday about her biography in math. Uh, Dan, it's been another terrific episode. I think we've helped a lot of people this week. Here's the thing. Don't carry too much in your wallet. Take all the things out of your drawers. Take the drawers out of your drawers. Take the cards out of your pants. Take them all out and put them aside. Seal them in a box with Martha Stewart for six months. And if you don't need them, set them on fire. 
<laughs> you want to button this up? <laughs> yes. Okay, I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man.